Welcome to the King's Chapel, Alaska podcast. From wherever you are listening, we are so excited that you tuned in today. Let's prepare our hearts to hear from God's Word. Joshua chapter 1, and we will read from the New International Version, nine verses of Scripture today. If you're all there, say amen. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' aid, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then, you and all these people get ready to cross the River Jordan into the land I'm about to give to them, to the Israelites. I will give you every place where you set your foot as I promised Moses. Your territory will extend from the desert of Lebanon to the great river, the Euphrates, all the Hittite country, and to the great sea on the west. No one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and courageous because you will lead these people To inherit the land, I swore to their forefathers to give them. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may be successful wherever you go. Do not let this book of the law depart from your mouth. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it then. You will be prosperous and successful. One more verse. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be terrified. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Father, thank you for your word. A lamp unto a feet, a light upon our path. I pray, Lord, that you would come in power and mark us in the moments that remain. May we respond to your word. May it go deep down into our heart, being activated. We will not be just hearers. We want to be doers. And God, thank you that you placed us at this time in history. Come on, won't you just lift your voice for a moment and ask God to speak to you. You placed us at this time in history. Your people, peculiar, called out, set apart, the ecclesia, the church, here to bring about change and transformation. And there's so much change around us. Release revelation, I pray, to each and every one in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. I'd encourage you to take notes as we move along. Change is inevitable. I remember at one of our prophetic conferences years ago, over 20 years ago, and I remember right where I was standing with my beloved wife, Pastor Karen, and we had uh, a man of God, come and prophesy over us. And he said something to this effect. Oh, my God. I see change. I see change. Man, I see change. In fact, God's going to change your change. You have so much change. I'm thinking, okay, change. Is that like coinage or change? Within the next six months, we had left the island. We were in Molokai, and God had changed everything. And we were praying for change, and God brought change. God brings change. It is, you know, welcome to being a part of the human race. When you're born, you're a little boy, a little girl, then you grow up. You start growing up. And the things that 
You know, what, what satisfied you when you were a newborn doesn't satisfy you when you're five. You change. Hopefully you change. Some of you are still five years old, even though you're 45. Anyway, moving on. Change. And, you know, you go through the change in life, and, you know, you become a man, you become a woman. You change. I don't know if you've found this ever happening, but I remember when I was just a, a wee lad, I'd probably 10, 11, I started thinking, oh, I can't wait till I'm a teenager. Then when I was a teenager, that wasn't all that hot. And I was hoping that, you know, can't wait till I'm, you know, 21. And uh, woo, 21, then you get to be 21 and you're thinking, man, you know, what's next? Like that, that ain't all that big a deal. And just hoping, you know, maybe, maybe, maybe when I'm 25 or, you know, you're, you're hoping for things to happen. Many people miss what God's doing in their life because they're hoping for the next season. You've got to learn to celebrate the season you're in and to overcome and move through and enjoy God no matter what age you're at. Change is going to come. You know, you, you, you pray for a wife, you pray for a husband, God gives you that. And you pray for a good counselor maybe after. <laughs> counsel is like vitamins. You should always get counsel. There's wisdom in a multitude of counsel. It's not something you ever stop. You say, oh, we need some counseling. So what? I've needed counseling every day of my life. I'm so thankful that Jesus gives it to me, and I've got people around me that I can talk to, get wisdom. Amen. Come on, can you say a better amen? But it's not something like, oh, he has to go to counseling. You should be in counseling all the time. I don't mean like formally necessarily, but change, getting help. Then, you know, the, the number one cry of most most couples, most married couples is, oh, God, give us a baby. Then the baby comes, you're like, what in God's name have we done? <laughs> you know, and then they grow up, and then, and then maybe you have a second one before the, the, that child is into its twos, and then you're thinking, my, my gosh, now we have two children. Oh, Father, help us. Lord, help us. And then you're hoping, you know, oh, that they just mature and grow up, and some of you are like, oh, I can't wait till they go off to school. Then they go off to school, and you cry. Oh, they left the house. Change. There's always going to be change. So you have to learn how to deal with it. And some of you go through the change of life. The temperature change changes rapidly throughout the day. You have your own personal summer. You have so many fans, you're thinking about investing in a fan company to see if you can. And if you don't understand what I'm talking about, that's, you will. Come on, someone say change is inevitable. Moses, the man of God, has led Israel, and now he's dead. And in this text, and this great leader, Moses, is no longer the great leader. Fairly anointed guy, I mean, the burning bush, you know, Pretty anointed, pretty incredible leader, led Israel out of the house of bondage. It was prophesied that God would send a deliverer, and he's the one. Wow. And he led them out and had many challenges. And Joshua, I love how it says the son of Nun, acknowledges the impartation, if you will, or the inheritance of a father. There's, there's, when, you, when you read genealogies and you th see things in Scripture, it's important to understand that God cares about every generation. 
but he's, he's acknowledging the son of Nun. Joshua is the, the servant of Moses because he was the son of Nun. Because if he didn't have a strong father and learn how to serve, he wouldn't be the, the next Israel leader in Israel. Moses is dead. And God's about to fulfill, that is the word of the Lord for 2021, God is going to bring fulfillment. How many of you have seen that already? I've seen it already, but there's so much more to come. Come on, God is bringing about fulfillment. This is a year of fulfilled, promises fulfilled. And so God in this text is about to bring his people into the promised land. And it's been a long wait and a long battle, and he's about to bring them in. And so things change for Joshua, and I, I, I like saying it this way. Anytime God tells you something you already know, honey, brother, he's telling you something else. Because nobody more than Joshua knew that Moses is dead, okay? Joshua, yes, Lord. Moses, my servant, is dead. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> now, that would be mouthing off. But he says, Moses, my servant, is dead. It's like... Right, yeah. He knew that. So what is God saying? He's saying something different, really. He's preparing Joshua for change. He's preparing Joshua for elevation. He's preparing Joshua to be the leader of Israel. And that was no small task. Let me say that just because there's change, just because gas prices have gone up by a dollar, and I don't know if they're going to go up like it is on the East Coast and go to $7 a gallon, I'll just tell you something. There's change, and it's going to change again, it's going to change again, and it's really going to change when God splits the eastern sky and rides on out of heaven. I'm not going to worry about it. I'm going to keep my eye on the purpose and the call for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. I'm not going to be worried about whether gas go. I'm going to pray. I'm going to vote. I said, I'll be voting. I voted last time. I'm going to vote again. You know, there's decisions that have been made in our nation, whether you're aware of it or not, that released funding to Iran. And that funding, this is no secret, that funding then released them to be able to buy rockets from Russia to send those rockets to Hamas to basically bomb Israel. And the spin on that in the media makes me mad. You say, well, are you talking about politics? I thought, no, I'm talking about politics. Well, welcome to Kings. I'm going to talk about politics. Anytime the Spirit of God moves me to do it, we have to stand with Israel. And honestly, decisions were made that I'm completely against biblically, uh, a biblical conviction against those, that you know, they empowered those who want to wipe out Israel completely. And, they've, and they say it. It's not to say that all life is not important. All life is important, whether you're a believer or an unbeliever, whether you're, whether you're you know, Hamas or an Israelite. All life is important. But wrong is wrong and right is right. And it's a grievous thing. That has brought great change and uncertainty and an unstable Middle East. The shutting down of pipelines and all kinds of stuff. I mean, there's been layoffs on the North Slope. You're like, what are we going to do? I mean, coronavirus. How many things do you have to have? I mean, it, it could be overwhelming if you didn't know God. And even then, there's times. I mean, I had quite a week. Did anybody else have quite a week? Three or four honest people. 
Yeah, you're going to have a you're going to have weeks that come where you need to just Lord, what what is this about? What do you want me to do? God, how do I deal with this change? What do I do? So I'm going to teach you from this text about that cuz we're going to walk into the promised land. Can someone say yes? Can you say a better amen? How to deal with change as we walk into fulfillment. Three things right from the text. The first thing I see is found in verse 4. And verse 4 reads, Your territory will extend from the desert to Lebanon, from the great river to Euphrates, to the Hittite country, all to the great sea to the west. No one will be able to stand up against you. Verse 4, and then verse 5. Verse 4 is having a clear vision. Because in transition and change and difficulty, sometimes it's hard to see the forest from the trees. What, what is your life about? What is the vision of your life about? What is the vision of your business? Well, I don't know. Well, you better get one because without vision, people perish. And we have a very clear vision, very clear vision to plant churches, to reach the lost. You say, I thought the vision was to do the building. That's just a tool. It's an important tool. But we're not about, we're, listen, the church is not supposed to build buildings. That's what we're about, building buildings. No, we're supposed to build people. We're supposed to save the lost. The reason we need the building is because we've just worn out this silo. This meeting place is too small. In fact, it's hurt us in many ways. He's saying to Joshua, what is the vision for your life? What, what have I called you to do? He reminds him of vision. When you're going through change, remind yourself what your life is all about. What is your life about? Do you have a vision for your family? You need to teach your kids to have vision. Without vision, people cast off restraint, says the Bible. No, he, he refreshes your territory will extend from the... He's saying the same thing he said to Moses, and, and vision and promises are multi-generational. You can go read Genesis chapter 18, verse 19, and how... God, the angels are talking. There's this conversation, and it says, we gotta, we got to reveal to Abraham what's about to happen because the promise, he must guide his children. I'm paraphrasing. must guide his children the way that is right and lead them and guide them. You know what? It's too good for me to paraphrase. Turn to Genesis chapter uh, 18. It's the first book of the Bible. I thought we're in the New Testament. The Old Testament is a picture book of New Testament reality and is very, very important that you understand. Because this, this promise, this word right here that I'm about to read you is absolutely applicable to your life. Verse 18, Genesis 18, verse 18. Abraham will surely become a great and powerful nation. Listen closely. And the nations on earth will be blessed through him. For I have chosen him so that he will direct his children and his household after him to keep the way of the Lord by doing what is right and just so that, in other words, and by the way, you've been chosen. You say, well, that's the old time. Yeah, okay, John 15 then. You've been chosen. You've been appointed. You've been selected by God. 
For what? To fulfill the dream that God has for your life. But not only that, the dream for your life is really for a family and for a region, for a territory, for a church. And we need to learn to daily direct our children. To, they would understand what is right, what is wrong, to direct them in truth. Just like Abraham. See, if Abraham didn't teach Isaac, then Isaac wouldn't have been able to move in and see the 12 tribes, you understand. And they're all fraught with difficulties and failures and, and human failings. He'll direct his children, his household after him to keep the way of the Lord by doing what is right and just so that, so that, in order that, for the purpose, so indicates purpose. Why are you daily directing your children? Why are you teaching your kids to direct the Lord? All right, here it is, here it is. So that the Lord will bring about for Abraham what he has promised him. God has promises for us as a church. God has promises for us and my family, the Bracken family. You just put, come on, Skip, God's promises for you. Come on, John. Come on, God's got a promise for you. You're going to go through change. You need to learn how to deal with it. You must constantly refresh yourself. Now, what, what am I doing? What am I doing? Why am I here? I've had times like that early on in my time with Alaska. I've thought, oh, let's just go back to Hawaii. Everybody hates us here. What are we doing? It's not about Hawaii. It's not about suntanning and enjoying a, a poke bowl, you know. It's, it's not about all the food and all the, It's about fulfilling the call of God and the dream that God has for your life. And I hope that you get a bowl of poke while you're on the way. And if you don't know what I'm talking about here in Alaska, it's also called poke here in Alaska, all right? That's totally funny, but I know that many of you don't get it. Come on, somebody say refresh the vision. Renew the vision. Why are you breathing? Why are you here? Is it, to, is it to suffer and die? No, it's to fulfill the plan of God. It's to love God and to be a deliverer of men. It's to be God's agent in the earth. The church, the church is the visible expression of the kingdom of God in the earth. Let me say that again. The church, the definition of the church, there's many definitions. I'm simplifying it. The church is the visible expression of God in the earth. This is not something we're just doing on Sunday so we can ease our, you know, ease our, our, our conscience. We're actually agents of change. Do you know that when the gospel comes into a region, it changes the whole region? The true gospel. I don't mean religion. I don't mean like, you know, some lame religion that doesn't transform lives. I'm talking about transformation that comes by the born-again encounter of receiving Jesus and repenting of your sin and walking in newness of life and learning to be God's hand extended to the lost, to the hurting, to the broken, to those that are sick, to those that are lame. The church is supposed to be a visible expression of the kingdom of God. This is not some patty cake club that we have. We're not teaching you out of the Reader's Digest teaching you from God's word. Why? That is a vision that God's called us to be. We are agents of change. We are changing this community. You say, you are? How do you know? I, there's nowhere I can't go that people haven't heard about what's happening here, heard about, see, you can't even drive into this place unless you've seen that incredible building, which is probably too small, but we'll take it for now. I'm just telling you. I'm preaching way better than you guys are amen. And why don't you have a praise break? Lift your hands to Jesus all across this place. Come on, come on, thank God. I've got vision, say it. I've got vision from the Lord. I remember going to Molokai, being called there. 
Um, I sat with Dr. Morocco, Molokai, for some of you that know, it's not that case now, but it was back then. Molokai was a preacher's graveyard. There was, it was the training ground for the kahunas, and basically, what is that? It's a witchcraft, it's witchcraft training ground there. There's more heiaus, places of human sacrifice on Molokai than any other island. There's more uh, confused, sexually confused people there than per capita than anywhere else in the state. There's more, uh, I mean, there's more suicide, more drug abuse, more domestic violence. There's, I mean, the place, it's not that way now. A church has changed it. Our church, along with others, of course, have changed it. Now, when, I, when we were on the launching pad all those years ago as a young man, younger man sitting there with Dr. Morocco and Pastor Steve, and they said, well, they said, well, we need another pastor to go to Molokai. Pastor Steve, you're senior here. Would you like to go? He says, oh, no, no, no. Been there, done that. And he looks at me and says, it's your turn. And I thought, he said, Dan, you want to go? I said, I don't know. I have to pray. He said, okay, pray. Take a few days and pray. I went home that night. I mean, it wasn't like, yeah, yes, yes. He loves me so much I get to go to Molokai. Oh, my gosh. No, it's like, would you like to go die? Because we're just going to send you to be crucified on the cursed island. You know, that, that's kind of like, whoa, what a promotion. It was not that way. I was not excited about it. Went home, had a dream that night, and in my dream, I was taken into the spirit. I flew from Maui to Molokai. Some of you know what that means, just across the water. Flew over Molokai in the Holy Ghost, and as I was flying around, like I was in a plane, but I was in the spirit, okay? And as I went around that island, the Lord showed me strongholds, showed me places of sin, showed me places that needed prayer, showed me like a map of demonic, uh, demonic empowerment that I needed to go pray over or that needed to be, go pray, to be prayed over. Then I came to the church and I saw a giant demon at the entrance of the church. And when I saw that, I was like, ah! And I woke up and I thought, oh my gosh. And he's like, you're going. I thought, whoa but he showed me how to kill that thing. He showed me how to win. He gave me vision. Without vision, stay home till you get one. Be a part of one until that's in you. Be a part of a vision that's bigger than yourself. I, I have to move on for the sake of time. The truth is we went there, and it was a, a, quite a battle. Fasting, prayer. I remember Ivan Tate, who was just with us, he came. We went out to lunch, and he says this. He says, uh, this is quite a place. I said, yeah, amen. He said, uh, you're going to have a breakthrough. You're going to have a breakthrough. It's almost like he was trying to convince himself. He said, uh, you're going to have a breakthrough here. You're going to have a breakthrough. Hallelujah. Uh, you're going to be about this big when you get it. I think I was about this big. And I'll, he said, you'll be this big. In other words, you're going to fast and pray, and then you'll have a breakthrough. And that's exactly what happened. The church doubled in size, and we were moved on to another vision that God gave. Vision. Come on, someone say vision. vision. Yeah, Moses is dead Gas is on the rise. There's, uh, there's a new administration in the White House, and there's a lot of change. What are you going to do? You get fresh vision for why you're breathing. As a church, we need to reach the lost. Fresh vision. That's what he says to Joshua. He goes on to say in verse 5, I'll look at verse 5, no one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. There's, there's just three points here. That's one. How to deal with change. 
Refresh your vision. Everybody say, refresh your vision. Number two, remind yourself of God's promises. Look at verse five. No one will be able to stand up against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Wow. The promises of God don't stop when one generation passes. They are multi-generational, and you need to understand that and engage in it. The promises of God are the basis by which we pray. If God said it, I believe it, that settles it. Have you ever heard that expression? You need to know what God's promises are towards you, not some fictitious thing that you made up when you had too much coffee one day and the Bible was in front of you and you fabricated something. And you know, you know, one of the ways you know that a vision is from God, it does not go away. And though there be difficulty and pain and obstacles and challenges and change, you know that God has spoken to you to fulfill the plan that he gave you. There's no way we would be this far along or even finishing our building had we not had that. We've had, if it could have gone wrong, basically it did. Under the grace of God, God has helped us all along. And it's easy to look back and say, well, we should have done this, or you point the finger at, at, at this, or, you know, how come a banker couldn't get aligned with us here in this community? They only give, listen, they only give churches $5 million. That's all they give. Guys, you, you understand? They, they, and you have to come down with an insane amount of money. It's not like buying a house, because they don't trust churches, and they'll look bad if the loan goes bad. So we had, to, we had to get funding somewhere else, and God supernaturally funded it through the likes of us little people. Come on, somebody say amen. Because God gave us a promise, and we're walking that out. The promises of God are constant. Come on, say they're constant. They don't change. And there's 7,500 of them in the Word. You've got to remind yourself of the promise of God. You know, John Olstein, who some of you might know, built a, a strong church. And God had given him so many precious promises that he walked out in his lifetime. Joel Olstein, now you might have heard of him. Joel Olstein was his son. Joel Olstein never preached one day in his life until his father died and the next Sunday he had to preach. And he has built an incredible network of churches and a very large church. And, you know, it's not my style of preaching and teaching, but he's a, he's a man of God. And I know, you know, well, I did, he didn't preach a gospel when he was on that new. Just, you know, I'd like to see how you do with the lights in your eyes. You know, we just bless him. The promise of John Olstein that God made to John Olstein was fulfilled in Joel Olstein. And I promise you that there's more promises yet to be fulfilled for that great church. He worked for video, never stood in front of anybody preaching anything ever. Come on, God can bring about the promise even though there's change. Look at number three, the third thing I should say in your notes. Be strong and courageous. This is the third way to deal with change. What's number one? Are you paying attention? Are you paying attention? Number one, have a clear vision. Amen? Number two is remind yourself of God's promises. Number three, buck up, young man. Be strong and courageous. I mean, he says it three times. You get the idea that he's terrified. I've shared the story a number of times, but, you know, if you hang around people that are fearful, I just can't watch a lot of news right now. It irritates me so badly that I, and, and I, I really wanted to know what was going on with Israel. So I watched, I watched a news clip from a main media outlet. And I mean, they're just, they're just giving the death toll 
of all the, uh, of all the Palestinians and how Israel has bombed them. And all. I mean, you want to talk about telling half-truths, give me a break. And you hear about how they actually send in and these things that they do, a, they do a door knock on buildings to tell them, get out of the building. There's a, there's a tool they have that does a door knock on a building that's shooting off rockets. They, they drop this bomb, uh, and it's a, it's a bomb that shakes a building and says, you're about to be blown up. They don't want to hurt babies, but that's all you hear. Come on, I'm preaching better than you're, than you're declaring and amening. I, God wants us to be strong and courageous. And there's times when if you listen to the news, you could just begin to cave in fear. I'm allergic to fear. I don't like the fear of the Lord. I'm not allergic to. That's the beginning of wisdom. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about being afraid. Oh, what are we going to do? Oh, God, what's going to happen? You're going to wring your hands? What do you mean we're going to do? We're the church. We're the, we're the ecclesia. We're the called out ones. We're the blood-washed host of God's hand extended to the earth. What are we going to do? God's going to provide. God's going to come through. I'm going to tell you, when you look at third world countries and you see uh, you know, the embassies that are there, I mean, you could just name a third world country that we're in that there's an embassy and, and, and they're starving, but we have an embassy there. You know what happens there? I think it's called a C-130. A C-130 doesn't even look like it should be flying. And it comes in monthly and opens up the belly of that gigantic plane and offloads Heinz ketchup, eggs, Tabasco sauce. Come on, just, come on, sausage links. And, and, and maybe there's a special order for some boudin if you're from Louisiana. Maybe some crawfish and some, some halibut, maybe. some. Are you kidding me right now? Oh, no, I'm not kidding you. I'm telling you there is a release of provision that comes from the United States of America to the military and the people. that. That's what the church is. The church is like an embassy of heaven. Don't you worry. Don't get distressed. God's, God's going to help us in the midst of change. You do not have to worry. God loves you. He's got a wife for you. You know that's right. He's got a husband for you. Don't worry. Be strong and courageous. There's a couple of reasons. My son called me this morning telling me uh, about Phineas. And how many of you know who Phineas was? He was a youth that was used to turn a plague in the book of Numbers. And uh, he was telling me about how God was talking to him this week about that. And, and then he asked me, he said, did you know that Balaam, do you remember Balaam? That's the guy that the, he was the prophet, the, the warlock, really, that, that a donkey spoke to. He said, Dad, did you know that Balaam had servants? And I don't recall actually reading that. I mean, I go, look, he said, what do you think that means? I thought, well, it means he was wealthy enough to have servants, number one. Number two, the other thing that that says to me is that his his abomination of leading, he's considered a wicked man, and it's because he led, he led the enemies of Israel on how to destroy Israel. In fact, there's no way to destroy Israel unless Israel gets into sin, and he taught them that. And you can read that in the New Testament. The thing is, if he had servants, he was teaching them too. You know, you affect others. If you yield to fear and back off, you're going to affect others. We all affect others. There are times of great difficulty. And if you cave to depression and apathy, you will affect your whole family. I had occasion of getting offended not long ago. Just preached a message on offense. And man, I'm telling you, I had a, I had a, I had a, 
A fire-dipped arrow shot from hell right in my heart. And those who did it don't even know they did it. And as I felt that sting, I just had to go pray. I had to talk to God. I mean, it hurt. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? It hurt. And usually, usually that comes from people that are the closest to us. And as I'm feeling the burn of that thing, I just thought, well, I got a job to do. And I don't have time for this. I do not have time for this. And so in the name of uh, Jesus, I don't got time for that. Oh, we got something to do. You know, I could have gone in. I mean, I had a, I had a few. I had a minute. I had a minute. Pastor Karen's like, ooh, you okay? I'm like, I will be. I had to process. I had to get through it. Amen. Listen to the word. Prayed in the spirit. Got the victory. As happy as a lark. I'm back. You know, I, I could have affected my whole family. I could have affected my kids, my wife. I could have affected the job, the church. You know, I'm going to show up here. I don't know what we're going to do. I just don't know what we're going to do. Oh, God. Are you kidding me? Get a backbone. What do you mean what we're going to do? We're going to serve God with our hair on fire. We're going to be strong and courageous because you affect other people. You don't have time for it. You don't have time for strife. You don't have time for arguing. You don't have time for discord. You don't have time for, for, for offense. Obey the word of the Lord. Be strong and courageous. Verse 7, careful to obey. Law of Moses he says, oh, he goes on to say, don't let it depart from your mouth. You'll be successful in whatever you do. I'm paraphrasing here, verse 7, verse 8. Prosperity and success comes from an awareness of what God wants you to do. And if you will do what God wants you to do, you will see God, biblical results. Take the word, speak it out, build, renew your mind. Take the word, speak it out, declare it. That's what I did when I had a flaming arrow sticking out of my heart. Live above a fence, son. Well, you don't feel like it. When, you, when, when the Lord speaks to you from God's word and he whispers to you, live above a fence, you're like, no, that, like, that hurt. Like, Yeah, live above a fence. It wasn't too easy for my son to be on the cross either. So shake it off. Just talking with Dr. Morocco and praying and I reminded him we were going through some challenges. And it's always a challenge. There's always a fight. But we're stronger than 10,000 armies, which I want to sing again. Would you come? Worship team, please. We're stronger than... If there's a giant before you, if God called you into the land, then with a head that big, you can't miss with the Word of God. Don't you worry about change. Change is one of the ways that God will bring fulfillment. God releases His plan, His blessing. You're going to have to be strong and courageous. Talking to Dr. Morocco as I finished that story. And he said, Well, how are you doing? I said, I'm I said, I'm good. I I I'm, I'm in it. I'm in the thick of it. He's like, Oh, praise God. I said, yeah. I said, but I uh, haven't resisted to the point of shedding blood yet. And um, I've also uh, nobody's tried to burn me at the stake. And we both laughed because that comes from a situation I was in 15 years ago. And that was his response to me. A loving, fatherly crack 
to get myself out of it. I don't need a pity party. You don't need a pity party. Nobody needs pity. We need fire, power, courage to take the land. And so when he, when I called for a pity party 15 plus years ago, he said, oh, Daniel, 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 have you resisted to the point of shedding blood? I'm like, what? No. What? What? Okay. All right. All right. Is anybody trying to burn you at the stake? I'm like, not yet. He said, you're going to make it. You're going to make it. Let me pray for you. I thought, what, what a, what a perspective. Come on, somebody, how many of you going through some stuff right now? Come on, lift your hands to heaven all across this place. Come on, lift your hands to heaven all across this place. Lord, refresh vision. A little more monitor if you would, please. Refresh vision in this house. Experiencing life with people, power, and purpose. Refresh vision. Lord, we remind ourselves of the promises. And thirdly, we will be strong and courageous. Courage and strength comes from your spirit. You're facing something that's impossible in the natural. You let the joy bring up from the wells of salvation courage and strength. You can make it. And get around people that'll tell you the same thing. Don't be with, don't hang out with the fear mongers and the hand ringers and the worriers. Start speaking, oh, we're, we're going to see it come to pass. God's going to do that thing. God's going to save my, my husband. God's going to save my, my wife. God's going to do, I'm going to be strong and courageous. And you'll affect your family. You're going to obey the word. Can you say amen? Not going to be afraid or discouraged. What would happen? What would happen with Joshua? We're up a creek. Leadership will determine whether a people move into the promised land or whether they stay out. And it's not so much fun when you're facing giants, when you're facing obstacles that are larger than yourself, bigger than your natural ability. How many of you are going to be strong and courageous? There's a wonderful word study here. I, I don't really have a, a whole lot of time to break it, break it down for you, but Courage, release it. They're tied. Courage and strength are tied together. And when you, when you draw from the strength of God and his word and his purpose, it releases strength. So I don't feel strong. Yeah, I know. But when, when you're weak, his strength is made perfect. Oh, change is upon us. Are you worried? Heck no. I said, heck, that's not a curse word. No, I'm not. Why? Because God is with us, and he will never leave us nor forsake us. That's true. You can leave him. You can forsake him. You can cave. You can give in to despondency, fear. You can leave him. He won't leave you. God is with us, Brother Wally. 
Lord is with us. Come on, raise your hands to heaven and say God's with us. Thank you for joining today's podcast. If God is impacting your life through this ministry, you can partner with us and give at kcalaska.com. Also, don't forget to subscribe to our channel and enjoy more messages like this one.